Welcome to the Mosavar Romani Center for Business and Government at the Harvard Kennedy School. For more information on events, news, and research, visit www.mrcbg.org. First of all, let me say thank you, everybody, for coming. I'm John Haig, and I co-direct the Mosavar Romani Center for Business and Government. It's terrific seeing some of our students here, um, you like students. Uh, some of my students here. Um, and we're extremely fortunate today we have Michael Nutter with us. And just to give you a little bit of the background, I think most of you probably know this, but Michael um, served for 15 years as the um, mayor of Philadelphia. Yeah, city council. Uh, and city council, and then, and then uh, he was, the, I guess, the 98th mayor uh, starting in November of 2007. Took office in January, one in 2007, and took office in 2008. Um, he's just done a tremendous job, um, uh, kind of building business, recruiting businesses into um, Philadelphia. Uh, even brought the um, uh, world championship in football back to uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> you have nothing to do with that. Uh, you should take full credit <laughs> yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, obviously, things like that we care about a lot at the Kennedy School, you know, operational considerations. So he took the city um, uh, to a, uh, a credit rating um, yeah. you know, uh, by the major credit rating agencies. So just an, and, and just a number of issues, um, reducing the homicide rate, uh, dealing with crime. Um, you know, they just received a ton of awards. I, I think somebody, somebody was telling me over 150 awards 150 for the awards, city. Yeah. Um, and in 2011, Esquire magazine, I like this one, named him uh, uh, Americans of the Year list in 2014, and Public Official of the Year by Governing Magazine. So just a tremendous, uh, he's been the President of the United States Mayor Conference of Mayors. Um, uh, in 2018, January, he was Department of Homeland Security, appointed him to the Homeland Security Advisory Council. So there's just array, a, a huge array of kind of accomplishments and responsibilities that are the kinds of things that we uh, have our students to aspire to do. Mm. Um, and he is currently um, a fellow uh, at the Institute of Politics, and he's also uh, the David Dinkins Professor of Professional Practice in Urban and Public Affairs uh, at uh, 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 Columbia University. So I, I noticed a lot of hesitation in your voice. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually have the utmost respect for Columbia as an institution and university. Really. Uh, uh, not, not an issue. Um, I know. So, so with that, I want to open it up um, uh, and give Michael a chance to make a few comments, and then we'll open it up yeah. for questions um, for everybody uh, to ask okay. Michael. Um, yeah. Uh, what's and, on their mind. And, and that'll certainly be the best part, but uh, good afternoon, everyone, or uh, still kind of morning, but good afternoon. Uh, John, thank you uh, very, very much for the introduction. Scott, thank you uh, for uh, helping me to get here uh, today and all the folks here at uh, Harvard Kennedy and, and certainly the Institute of Politics. Um, I think um, we had talked a little bit about, uh, give you some uh, snapshot, I guess, a uh, little bit of history and background. Uh, what it was like to come into office in uh, 2008 uh, on the heels of a great uh, reform uh, campaign. Uh, Philadelphia, unlike Boston, uh, we have term limits uh, for the office of mayor. The only term limited office in the entire city government is the mayor's office. Uh, as John mentioned, uh, 14 and a half years as a member of Philadelphia City Council. 
I was a district council person, uh, 17 member council, 10 represent districts, defined areas of the city, seven at large. Uh, I got my start in politics volunteering on a campaign uh, for a councilman at large uh, back in the early 80s. Uh, and uh, that was really kind of my, my political start. Lost my first campaign, uh, learned a lot of lessons, uh, didn't appreciate them at the time. Uh, but uh, subsequently uh, I realized uh, that uh, actually uh, you learn more from a loss than you do from a win. Um, although I, I don't recommend it as a strategy, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that, was my, uh, that was my experience. Um, and when I ran, <clears throat> uh, so I'm born, raised, educated, created all my trouble in Philadelphia, only place I've ever lived, um, and still, still do uh, with a lot of travel. Um, when I ran for mayor um, in 2006, while I was still a member of city council, but I had, in my mind, uh, had decided I was going to run, uh, but I thought, you know, maybe I should get some information, get a little data, uh, see what the world was like. You know, most of us think so highly of ourselves and we're so wonderful and we've done all these great things that we assume that we're, you know, enormously popular. Um, nothing like a a legitimate poll uh, to help uh, you know put your feet back on the ground and help you understand you're not the maybe the, the uh, greatest thing since sliced bread so my poll told me that uh, no matter who ran uh, I would be fifth in a five-way race uh, I had about 12 percent uh, approval rating or name recognition um, and uh, a month later uh, the poll was in May, and a month later in June, I then resigned my position as city council and announced that I was running for mayor. Hmm. With a poll in my hand that said that I could not win. Um, but I had a record, um, a positive kind of record, I had a record uh, of uh, bringing ethics and transparency to city government. Uh, at the time, we had a major corruption scandal going on. And also, the crime rate was going up. Uh, and I had been leading the charge uh, as a city council member, uh, not only talking about fighting crime, but also uh, forcing uh, the then administration to ex literally hire more police officers uh, by putting money in the budget and uh, raising the issue at a, at a very strong level. And so. Um, those were two of the four things that I talked about a great deal during the campaign. Um, it was a five-way race. Uh, I was last uh, for almost all of the campaign. Uh, our primary election is in May, uh, and it was only in about uh, April uh, that actually things started to move for me, and, and they changed uh, pretty, uh, pretty dramatically. Um, won the primary. Um, in Philadelphia, heavily Democratic city, uh, if you win the Democratic primary, uh, unless you are indicted and convicted, um, <laughs> you should go on to win the general election. Um, and uh, so uh, won the general election, 83% of the vote. Um, people were excited, new mayor, reform, going to focus on crime, educate kids. I mean, all the very, very positive and, and wonderful things. Um, sworn in in January, uh, did some of the things I said I was going to do. I declared a crime emergency on my first day, swore on my cabinet, signed an executive order uh, requiring the police commissioner to come up with a new crime fighting strategy in 30 days, a bunch of things. Um, life was good. Uh, passed the budget, uh, 
prior to the deadline, city council was happy. Uh, we were kind of rolling along. We invested in community college, invested in parks and recreation, made a number of investments. Uh, we didn't spend money like drunken sailors, but we were, we were investing and we were rolling along. Um, unfortunately, uh, unbeknownst to any of us at the time, uh, there were some pretty significant storm clouds uh, way, way off somewhere that no one could see. Um, and so I'll start things uh, with, um, and I was, uh, I'm a, I was and am and continue to be a pro-business uh, council person. I, I, I characterize myself, I mean, I would like to think I'm um, pretty progressive, uh, although uh, I would suggest that uh, uh, many of the progressives uh, in the Democratic Party uh, have moved so far to the left that I think I'm now in the, in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, but I'm, uh, uh, I'd say, uh, socially very, very liberal on most issues. Fiscally, though, uh, pretty conservative. Um, I think fiscal integrity, fiscal responsibility is, in fact, uh, one of the fundamental keys uh, to running any government. Uh, if we learned anything, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but if we learned anything from uh, the recession, uh, we learned that it really is hard to run a government with no money. Um, but it's also just irresponsible. So anyway, um, summer of 2008, brand new mayor in office, it's summertime, Philly, 4th of July, with every respect to the great, great city of Boston. We know that <laughs> Philadelphia is the birthplace of freedom, liberty, and democracy in the United States of America. We have all things like the Liberty Bell and the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, all done in Philadelphia. I mean, Boston played a tremendous role uh, in the formation of our country, but you know, I just, I'm required to say that as a Keep Philadelphia. Keep it in perspective yeah. for all of us. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Keep it real. So, you know, 4th of July, we've got John Legend is headlining uh, our, our evening concert. I mean, things are really kind of pretty cool. And this is like a cool job. In August of 2008, uh, one day, I got a call saying that the chief of staff and the finance director needed to talk to me. I appointed both of them. I knew both of them for a long period of time. These are my guys. I said, you know, sure. Um, if you ever find yourself in that position and someone says that the chief of staff and the finance director <laughs> want to talk to you, you should run. Nothing good is coming out of that conversation. Um, but I was a rookie. I didn't know that. Right. So they come in August of 2008 and say, um, there's some unusual things going on. We don't completely understand it, but we're seeing unusual activity in our tax collections. So, okay, I'm going to keep an eye on it. And um, Later that month, uh, I got another call that those two wanted to see me. Well, I mean, I couldn't run. Um, I had to take the call. And they said, well, we're still not exactly sure what's going on, but actually there's a growing problem. We are starting to run out of money. So what do you mean we're starting to run out of money? <laughs> that we're literally starting to run out of money. Cash. And on um, September 11, 2008, I had a press conference and announced to the city that the city of Philadelphia was facing a $450 million five-year plan deficit. I'd been in office eight and a half months. We passed the budget 
in mid-May. It was balanced. The recession had not yet been declared. And so the press and the public uh, basically said that these must be the dumbest people who have ever come into public service. They have no idea what they're doing, and this is a mess. If you go back, that September 11th was a Thursday. That weekend, Lehman Brothers crashed and burned. The following week, numerous banks and other financial institutions also failed. And finally, the federal government did actually announce that we were in a recession that had actually started in December of 2007, but not declared until September of 2008. So all the while that we're rolling along and things are good and we're having a really good time, this thing is happening off in the distance that no one knew about. And so now it's time to take action. So I immediately announced a series of steps that we would take uh, to try to deal with um, um, what was to be an even larger crisis. So that was September. October, I announced that we had a 650 to $850 million deficit and growing. Now, there were a couple other things that were going on that, you know, you have to be aware of your time and place and other activities taking place in the world. So I would say to you, um, there were two other big things going on in October of 2008. Anyone want to take a stab at what either of those two big things were? The election. An historic election between... Senator John McCain and Senator Barack Obama. If you recall, Senator McCain actually announced that the two of them should suspend their campaigns because they're both United States senators and needed to get back to Washington to vote on then-President George Bush's proposal for this thing called TARP. And for Philadelphians, there was one other big thing going on. In October, the Philadelphia Phillies were in the playoffs, (laughs) who were not expected to even make the playoffs, let alone were were on a bit of a roll. And so I'll talk to you about what it's like to be mayor or be in a leadership position in a time of crisis and a variety of other circumstances. So stick with me. I'll describe what I now refer to as the week. Wednesday, October 29th, the Philadelphia Phillies won the World Series. Friday, October 31st, we had a parade. Two million people showed up. Virtually no one got in any trouble. Tuesday, November 4th, Barack Obama became the first African-American president-elect. And on Thursday, November 6th, I announced that the city had a $1 billion five-year plan deficit in a live press conference. Well, two out of those three things were really great, (laughs) (laughs) or three out of the four. Um, But I was the major buzzkill for the city and the region uh, in making that announcement. People were not happy. Um, We proposed something uh, that we came to call uh, shared sacrifice and that every department and agency in the government, every citizen in the city, every business, every nonprofit, 
had some shared responsibility and shared sacrifice to make sure the city didn't falter. So I immediately announced that I was cutting my own salary, the salary of every top official in the government, and actually everyone who made $50,001 would take a pay cut, furlough days, and a variety of other steps. One point to note, if you announce something like that, you should tell your spouse or significant other before making such an announcement. <laughs> My wife heard it on the radio. Um, it was an interesting conversation that night when I got home. Um, we made the decision, though, and this is not a, in any way, shape, or form a criticism of any other city in the country. Everyone has to kind of do their thing. But we also made a decision that we were not going to have massive layoffs. Philadelphia has the highest poverty rate of the 10 largest cities in America. We have a population that needs service. And we were also not going to basically destroy the internal functioning of the government uh, to save it. And so we proposed a plan uh, that was about 50% cuts in service and about 50% uh, raising revenues uh, by increasing taxes. Merely cutting my salary by 10% was not going to solve this particular problem, but people appreciated that. Shared sacrifice. We closed that hole by the end of the year. In February of 2009, when I proposed my uh, next budget, I also had announced that we now had a new $1.4 billion five-year plan deficit which required more cuts and more tax hikes. The challenge with that, of course, well, no reason for you to know this. When I was a city council member, I was the leading uh, proposer of tax cuts and tax reductions my entire council life. To then have to turn around in now, you know, first year, 14 months, uh, to raise people's taxes and stop our uh, scheduled tax reduction program uh, was a really, really big decision. I mean, it became somewhat personal because it gets into your history and your record and et cetera, et cetera. And the lesson there is you don't always get to do what you want to do. You do what you have to do. We also announced at a certain point that we actually were going to stop paying all of our vendors as a part of a cash conservation program. Debt service, salaries, and emergency expenditures were the only things we were going to pay for for months. Not one vendor stopped providing us service. Not one. And we made a commitment that everyone would be made whole when the city got better. Um, in the meantime, um, we pretty much pissed off everyone in the town. Uh, which takes a lot of effort uh, to piss off everybody. Um, we had also, luckily, um, the history in Philadelphia generally is, so we have four major unions that we negotiate or arbitrate with in terms of public employee contracts. Two unions that are represented by uh, AFSCME uh, and then police and fire have their own bargaining units and they 
are not allowed to go on strike, and so they go to arbitration. Historically, mayors in Philadelphia were usually, new mayors were usually faced with all four of those union contracts expiring on June 30 of your first year in office, which is much to the deficit of the executive because you're still trying to figure out where all the bathrooms are and negotiate four major contracts with these unions and usually get kind of run over. And often in those negotiations, it's less about trying to win and really more about trying not to lose too much. We put forward an idea that we actually wanted in my first year one-year contracts, which no one had heard of in modern times. But somehow we had convinced them that we wanted just one-year contracts, which then bought us time to figure out next year we want to do longer-term contracts. We were lucky because, again, we didn't know that a recession was coming. If we had agreed to multi-year contracts with multi-year raises, there's no way that we would have actually been able to pay for them, and we would have had to lay off thousands of public employees, which we did not do. Virtually no one got laid off during our, uh, during our time for the two and a half years of the recession. We closed vacant positions. We didn't rehire as quickly. We did a lot of those things. We delayed. I was going to hire 400 more police officers. We delayed two police classes to save money. I mean, we did a lot of different things. Um, we also announced, and this is, I'll get into the business side of things. So leading tax cutter as a city councilman, now as mayor, is proposing pretty significant tax hikes. Business community, not thrilled. Um, numerous conversations with them, laid out our plan, laid out our, our, our projections going forward, why we needed to do what we needed to do. And so part of the main message on that is it's all about communication and having relationships. I mean, they knew me. I worked with them and had organized a, what was subsequently referred to as a briefcase brigade. We led a march from the Chamber of Commerce offices to City Hall back in 2006 to force my predecessor to start cutting our wage tax. It was very public. We took over half of Broad Street. These folks knew me and knew me well and knew my history. And I had to then turn around and say to them, the only way we're going to get out of this is I need to, raise, I need to stop our tax reduction program and raise taxes uh, in the same way. Philly has five ice skating rinks operated by the Department of uh, Recreation. In that second budget, I announced that we would only be able to operate two of the five, and we were going to close the other three. Bless you. The now late Ed Snyder. Ed Snyder has, uh, was, you know, of course, the owner of the Flyers, uh, but also had his own foundation, the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation. And one day, after making this announcement, I got a call. And Ed said, I heard the announcement, and I know you feel very badly about having to announce that. We want to partner with you. We will operate the other three for you. We got into the conversation and discussions, and not only did they offer to uh, operate the three that we were going to close, uh, but they actually offered to partner with us on all five using their money to operate our ice rinks for kids. 
in a subsequent agreement, and that was one of our first really big, prominent um, public-private partnerships. In a subsequent agreement, uh, they actually uh, uh, volunteered to include all of those ranks were open, open air ranks. So, of course, with that, they only operate you know, certain times of the year. Uh, they then subsequently, using their own funds again, enclose four of the five. We have more ice time, more instruction, more um, uh, services and programs for kids in Philadelphia than we ever could have been able to provide. We have 73 swimming pools in the city. I announced that we were only going to be able to operate, I think, 46. Um, no, I'm sorry. We were, we were only going to be able to operate um, somewhere in the teens. I mean, we, I mean, the pools are all over the place, and basically, uh, we were going to have like two, no more than three, in each council district. Open. We partnered with the United Way uh, and a couple other entities, and we instantly created something called the Summer Splash Fund. Companies, individuals, foundations donated money. Uh, for us to be able to open uh, as many of those pools as possible. And that summer coming up, with only three months, I believe we opened uh, 46 of the 73. And the following summer, uh, in 2010, all of the pools were open. Um, uh, in our health department, uh, we partnered with uh, the University of Pennsylvania, uh, Hospital, Temple, uh, and uh, Drexel. Uh, in our school district uh, to focus on uh, issues of overweight and obese conditions of uh, Philadelphia school-aged children um, and had a significant reduction uh, in both of those conditions as a result of a partnership with them and also a signed uh, agreement, data sharing agreement uh, with the school district uh, to uh, get pertinent information uh, to the parents of children. Um, we partnered with Drexel University on issues of nutrition uh, and essentially changed uh, the nutritional mix uh, at our schools. We eliminated uh, sodas from sale uh, in school completely. Uh, a number of restaurateurs have partnered with our schools uh, to uh, teach cooking classes, to change the menu uh, at schools. Uh, uh, Almost all kids usually complain about uh, food service at, uh, at their schools. Um, companies and organizations and individuals in this time of crisis, and this, again, this message, consistent message of shared sacrifice, uh, stepped up time and time and time again. When the police department uh, needed uh, more um, or to upgrade uh, bulletproof vests, uh, for our police officers, uh, we have a police foundation, a number of corporations uh, donated money for that. Um, we lost, uh, in my first year in office, uh, we lost four police officers uh, killed in the line of duty. Uh, over the eight years, we lost eight, five by gunfire. Um, uh, and um, a number of organizations uh, stepped up to help us uh, with in, in that regard uh, in terms of equipment uh, and services. Virtually every department and agency um, uh, in, in this economic time of crisis uh, helped us 
uh, in a variety of ways. Uh, some we solicited and many others called us uh, because they wanted to partner with us. They wanted, uh, they did not want the city to falter. Lastly, um, I had to go to the General Assembly. Uh, our big plan uh, uh, to basically rescue the city was a um, increase, 1% uh, increase in the uh, state sales tax just in Philadelphia. Uh, and some other provision, provisions uh, related to our pension fund. I'd spent a lot of time as a city councilman actually out in the suburbs. suburbs. Uh, we have four counties around us, Bucks, Chester, Delaware, Montgomery counties. Uh, at the time, uh, mostly heavily Republican, uh, but I spent a lot of time out there as a councilman and even more time as mayor. I spent a significant amount of time in Harrisburg um, uh, talking to legislators about the city. And it was suburban legislators, many Republican, uh, who fought heavily for us to convince their colleagues from out west uh, that taking this action on behalf of the city was not only critical for Philadelphia, but I think over time we had delivered a message that helped them to understand that the, the interconnectedness of our economies, the fact that hundreds of thousands of Philadelphians go to work in the suburbs every day, and hundreds of thousands of suburbanites come into Philadelphia for work every day uh, actually made a difference, and they were some of our greatest champions. Uh, we had told the General Assembly that on a particular day, without their action, we would in fact have to lay off uh, over 3,000 public employees, 928 police officers, 329 firefighters, and a variety of others. This was, it was not an idle threat. I mean, they. <laughs> took it pretty seriously. Um, we needed that action uh, by a particular Friday, otherwise this was going to go into effect the following Monday. This was in uh, 2009. They passed the measure at 4 o'clock on Thursday, uh, and I did a live call-in press conference. I was in Harrisburg when this happened. Um, to announce to the government and to the citizens that this draconian plan, which was referred to as Plan C, so we, we had already gone past B. Uh, we were now on Plan C, uh, laying off thousands of public employees, um, was not going to go into effect. I was literally almost in tears as I said it. The next day, we delivered the 3,000-plus pink slips, documents, uh, up to the Philadelphia Fire Academy, uh, where they were subsequently uh, set on fire. Uh, so that no one would ever know uh, who actually was on uh, the layoff list, which we thought would have been devastating from a morale uh, standpoint. But it was something that we uh, had to put in place and had to be ready for. Um, all of that to say, um, it was, in fact, the worst recession since the Great Depression, uh, no question about it. But uh, we're one of the few cities, uh, because of our fiscal stewardship, uh, we actually got a rating upgrade. Uh, coming out of the recession. Uh, we had an, have an A rating from all three rating agencies, first time in 40 years. We did restart our tax reduction program. Uh, wage tax rates are at the lowest level since the 70s. Um, through all of that, uh, we did win those awards. Um, at the end of my tenure, we had a 31 percent reduction in homicides, um, down to levels that the city hadn't seen since 1967. Uh, population grew all eight years that I was in office, uh, reversing 60 years of population decline. Um, 
it is one of the toughest jobs uh, in, uh, in public service. Um, and it only happened because I had a great team uh, with great leaders and people who are committed uh, to public service, understood their mission, and did their job. Uh, and uh, we supported each other uh, in a lot of different ways. So, uh, but the business community played a very significant role. They didn't freak out. They didn't flip out. Um, and actually, business development uh, grew in Philadelphia. Uh, we changed our zoning code. I know it's one of the more exciting things in government, but, we, um, but it led to an explosion of billions of dollars of growth and development <coughs> and investment uh, in the city because we paid attention to the details. Um, you know, you're always dealing with the day-to-day. -day. I mean, you still got to pick up the trash. You got to fill potholes. You got to move the snow. Um, but you also have to have a bit of a vision for, you know, what's the future. Uh, and taking steps today that either A, no one will appreciate, or B, people will hate you for, uh, and understanding that it's not about you. Uh, it's always about the future and doing what's in the best interests of uh, the majority of citizens. It's not a popularity contest. I didn't go down there to have people love me, um, but I wanted them to understand and respect what we were trying to get done. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great town. We didn't solve all the problems, uh, but you do what you can. Uh, while you're there, it's like a relay race. Uh, you run your leg, run as fast as you can. Hopefully, hand off the baton uh, and to uh, to the next person. Don't drop it, uh, and then get out of the way. And uh, that's what I'm doing. So, floor is open. Terrific. Let's open it up to questions. I'm happy to start it off, but you can be thinking don't be about shy. your questions. I know. Don't be shy. Yeah. Um, Jane, do you want to go? Um, I, I love I can't, then you can put them off. Yeah. Or uh, I'm happy to go. Yeah. I actually have a real question about um, Rahm Emanuel, for yeah. example, mm -hmm. um, one of your colleagues, yeah. um, is in Chicago. And he, he talks about, you know, at the time he was saying never waste a good crisis and yeah. some things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there, on one hand, there's this notion of, be strategic in your cuts and how you manage all the different, you know, kind of strategic choices. And it's an opportunity that you yeah. might not have in other circumstances. Yeah. Um, and then at the same time, you're talking about shared sacrifice. Um, it sounds to me like you were pretty strategic as you thought about it. But we thought were, we were. <laughs> but you were also kind of the shared sacrifice. And how yeah. do you balance those both yeah. from operating actions as well as the public relations aspect yeah. of it. Well, you know, to Mayor Emanuel's point, I mean, you know, you when you are running out of money, you do end up proposing some things that you otherwise would possibly not do. Um, I mean, you have all the reasons behind it. You have all the data uh, to show. I mean, we cut a bunch of programs that, you know, every look, every program has a constituency, right? right? And everyone can make a case why you should continue to do this or do that. So, you know, we used to, we had some big program on, you know, uh, uh, collecting, you know, old tires. Uh, people, for whatever reason, like to dispose of their tires on the side of the road. Uh, we stopped doing that. We stopped neighborhood uh, street sweeping, tree trimming. I mean, a bunch of different things. I mean, every dollar actually meant something. And, you know, people were upset. Um, and, you know, our focus was, you know, fiscal uh, stewardship and what are the fundamentals, what are the basics, you know, that we have to do. Uh, and some of these other things, I mean, they're nice, they're interesting, um, but, you know, I can't afford it. Uh, and so, again, you, you don't make a lot of friends uh, in, this, uh, in this process. And, you know, I came from city council. 
Um, and so, you know, it's like, hey, these are my buddies, folks I used to work with, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when you tell your friends no, they usually get upset. Um, I, uh, there are people still mad with me today. Um, when I made a speech, uh, in, a, in a budget speech, and uh, we were trying to save, uh, so again, every area uh, had to take some cuts. So fleet management, right? So we had the fleet department figure out how many vehicles do we actually own? which actually had not been done in a while, so it's interesting. Um, and then where are all these vehicles? Uh, and then take out, you know, police, fire, prisons, a bunch of, you know, all that public safety stuff to some extent. Um, and then there's just all these other cars. So who has them? Why do they have them? Um, do they need them? Right, we're going to save on fuel. We're going to save on maintenance. We're going to, I mean, I'm telling you, it's every dollar that you right. I had to call the manager of the fleet and ask him to turn his vehicle in. To which he said, "Mayor, if that's what you need. I'll bring it. I'll bring it tonight." He's the fleet manager, but he didn't. I mean, he didn't need a car. Right. Right. So I made the wild, outrageous suggestion that city council members who are given a vehicle, I never took a vehicle when I was a city council, primarily for two reasons. One, I campaigned when I ran for city council that I wouldn't take a car. Two, the car they gave me was a Crown Victoria. Now, I mean, do I look like a Crown Victoria guy? <laughs> I mean, I was driving a Mazda RX-7. I mean, what am I going to do with that? Right? So, you know, so I never took a car. Anyway. I suggest that city council members, as a part of the shared sacrifice, should turn in their vehicles. There are council members still mad with me today that I suggested that such an outrageous thing. I didn't even take them. I just suggested them. <laughs> uh, some gave them back. So, you know, um, but if there are some programs um, that you really do want to get rid of, Love and it. if you're in an economic crisis, you can, you can do it. We called in all of our nonprofit providers and said, you have to justify, why are we giving you a grant? Now some, I mean, it was like, you know, sun rises in the east and sets in the west. I mean, every year they just like got a grant. They're on the, you know, I mean, the toughest thing in the world to kill is a government program, right? Um, and we said, well, how many people do you serve? Well, uh, you know, I have citywide, you know, citywide service. Well, how many people do you actually serve? I mean, it could be like 25. You know, no, we're, we're, I mean, we never completely cut anybody off. I mean, unless they were just, you know, in trouble or something like that. But, I mean, we gradually had to wean people off of the regular, I'm just going to get whatever I'm going to get. I mean, I mean, that was, for us, that was a start of, um, you know, some might call it pay for performance or, um, um, uh, you know, outcome-based outcome uh, programming. Um, but, I mean, you had to justify why we were sending you any money. I mean, it was, it was take every penny, every quarter, every nickel. Uh, that you could find. And so, you know, but you do have to be strategic. I mean, we did decide that we weren't doing across-the-board cuts. You know, the police department uh, is one of the largest departments in the government. You know, 5% of their budget is like a whole lot of money. But some of the smaller departments, I mean, 5% to them could be devastating, right? Mm -hmm. So it's 1% here. And so we told every department, give us a, show us cuts of 1%, 2%, 5%. And what service impact it would have at each of those levels. 
and we would literally sit and go through each of those departments to figure out what could we afford to give up but not devastate them from being able to provide service. That is, it's a surgical approach. It's not a meat cleaver. Right? And yet, really have to be mindful and be willing to take the political um, pushback that comes because uh, it's going, it's coming. So. I, I think very much building on that question, you never waste a good crisis. The shared sacrifice frame is brilliant. What do you sort of see as the potential for? You know, sort of like a shared prosperity framing with business. So, you know, yeah. your city government works with the Chamber yeah. of Commerce, but how could we be much more ambitious yeah. and creative yeah. getting business and yeah. city government to sure. work together, both at, both at the city level? And then yeah. I'd be interested if you think it's a, you're having um, chaired the Conference of Mayors, mm -hmm. where there's more the Conference of Mayors could be doing, say, that with a business round table yeah. to say yeah. this is our vision. Yeah. Well, it's interesting the phraseology that you use, shared prosperity, <laughs> because um, Share Prosperity actually was the name of our anti-poverty uh, plan okay. yep. called Share yep. Prosperity yep. Philadelphia. Yep. Um, Sorry, I I'm just going to make one quick comment to follow on that. For the Center for Business and Government, one of the themes we have is actually we should be focusing on shared, and we use shared and sustainable prosperity mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. as kind of yeah. beyond crisis. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, again, some of my progressive friends, um, have, have, I mean, they don't maybe articulate it completely this way, but I, I get nervous with some of the ideas and proposals out there that somehow we, we've allowed ourselves to get into a circumstance where we love jobs, we just hate businesses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, mm -hmm. of course, doesn't really work. Um, and because people, I mean, ultimately people want to work, right? So, I mean, it's not a sin to have, you know, kind of a favorable uh, appreciation for you know growth and economic activity uh, not every business is an angel I get that um, but um, you know what business needs generally is certainty in the process um, most want to play by the rules pay their taxes etc cetera, etc cetera, and go on and create economic opportunity um, you know governments don't create jobs we create an environment where uh, growth can take place uh, and so, um, you know, whether a stable tax environment or a low tax environment, uh, rules and regulations that you can understand. I mentioned, you know, earlier the zoning code. I mean, ours was archaic. Uh, you know, you'd have to hire a lawyer at $600 an hour just to be able to figure it out. Um, maybe you could complete a project in your lifetime, maybe not. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just a mess. And so having an environment where you know, it's not a constant attack or an assault uh, on uh, the business community. Um, and at the same time, people are paying their fair share. Um, they're actively engaged in the community. They're supporting art and culture and kids and uh, helping to make sure that young people are getting a high-quality education. I've worked uh, regularly with our colleges and universities. Um, you know, again, we, we, we have a lot. Uh, I know you have a lot here. Uh, we have a lot, too. Um, and uh, how do we make sure that there's a greater partnership even between the school district, the K-12 environment, and uh, institutions of higher education? Um, and that could be, you know, students tutoring. It could be classes on Saturday. Um, there are a wide variety of opportunities uh, for this partnership. Uh, and so, you know, helping the business leaders, and I, I don't know about the business environment, uh, you know, here in Boston, you know, a bunch of years ago, many of the leading businesses, the execs, 
the top, top leaders were in the city or in the region. Now with globalization and the banks being taken over and a variety of, right, you've got the regional vice presidents who report to somebody somewhere. And so, you know, they're not in some instances as actively engaged in the lifeblood of the community because they're worried about shareholders and, you know, a variety of other issues. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's a positive thing uh, for the city and the city leadership uh, to be connected. Uh, to the business community, small, medium, and large. Uh, everyone is not a behemoth. Um, you know, um, years ago, the big worry was, you know, how do you protect, you know, mom-and-pop businesses from Walmart? Uh, or now, you know, and then you've got the whole, you know, Amazon and all that and Target. And, you know, this one wants to be in the food and the other one wants to sell it. I mean, the, the blurring of, of, of all of that, uh, the impact of the Internet on retail, uh, so there are a lot of dynamics going on uh, from from the business sector, but you know, uh, commercial corridors are still viable entities supporting the startup uh, community. We borrowed an idea, stole an idea uh, from uh, from New York, and created uh, something called Startup PHL, which was to focus on uh, the uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem uh, in uh, Philadelphia and our innovators. Um, uh, how do you hold on to uh, your graduates uh, from college and university. Well, you know, after the graduation and the party and all that, I mean, at some point in time, the credit card might get cut off. You know, they need a job. Uh, and so you've got to have a viable business environment for these young people to uh, to go and get work. So, um, you know, the mayor's job is, I mean, it's you know, the CEO and all that, but you're also the chief cheerleader uh, for the city. And you have to be able to lay out a vision and how the different pieces work together. Yes, sir? Yeah. Great story okay. how you were able to succeed and, and, and you know, first survive on there. <laughs> Survival was the goal. Yeah, I know. At that point. Uh, I was just wondering, we heard a lot of numbers. Yeah. Beyond the numbers uh, or the quantity, I'm, I'm a lot interested, I'm very interested in the quality. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just wondering if you were able to, like, when there's a crisis, the, the first reaction is to cry. And then there is a sense of pride that builds within you, like the Boston crowd. You know? Yeah. So I'm just wondering. Were you able to measure or do something about the productivity? Because I'm sure that the, the, the government employees were, were also, like I said, first they cried. Do you have any measurement or any, or, or do you remember any actions, mm. specific actions that, so that people got fired up because yeah. this thing between business and government, yeah. in private business this is used quite often. Yeah. I'm just wondering whether you're able to translate that yeah. into the government. Yeah. So our first reaction in crisis actually was to drink, but um, <laughs> I, I mean, I know you know other people do do other things. Um, uh, we well, we had a place right down the street. Um, so um, no, I, I think our general reaction to uh, any of the various crises uh, that we faced was first, literally first just trying to understand what is this, what is this about? Whether it's again officer. You know, shot or you know, Amtrak train uh, derailment, buildings fall. You know, twentieth snowstorm, whatever the case may be. Uh, so, uh, communicating with the public, uh, we always thought was critically important. Um, and then, giving people, uh, I appreciate the uh, pride analogy. I think, I mean, we certainly try to do that in some instances. But I think what's also really important is to give people a sense of comfort that the government and its leadership actually know what they're doing. And so 
for instance, if you, any major event, whether good or bad, uh, if you were to, and some are on, you know, YouTube and that kind of stuff, if you ever look at any of our press conferences, the one thing that you may not notice, but if you see a number of them, you'll then, you'll, you'll see a pattern. Um, I was never at the podium by myself. There's always a team around of all the different leaders, right? Because what we're trying to communicate in the frame of your television is there is a team of knowledgeable people from a variety of departments and agencies working in close proximity and coordination to each other and in a different kind of way, maybe a different kind of language. Basically, we got this. We know what we're doing. And we're laying out a plan. We're giving you the facts. We're telling you the truth. And we need you to trust us that we will handle this. That was the primary message. Um, if we told folks, um, you know, we've got uh, estimate, you know, 18 inches of snow coming, and we need you to stay in the house and stay off the roads, et cetera, et cetera. We noticed over time people actually listened to us and they paid attention. And the reason we wanted you to do that is because we have these snow warriors, also known as the streets department, our public employees who are going to be working 16-hour shifts trying to get the city back in order, you will help them by staying out of their way. Because they're going to fight this storm, and basically we're going to beat the storm. And that's what it was really all about. All of those folks, though, by the way, were not under contract when that was going on. We didn't have contracts with two of our unions for six years. Through two of the worst winters in the city's history, heavily wet summers and a variety of other things, a hurricane, uh, uh, two hurricanes and an earthquake. So instilling pride in our public employees and in the citizens, uh, I always thought was critically important to getting through any of these kinds of things. I mean, again, I cut your services and raise your taxes at the same time. I mean, that's like a recipe for a disaster, right? People were really pissed off, but they understood. And no one lost a job. Thank you. Yeah, it helped. So I don't know if it was measured, measured, but I can tell you what the feedback was. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks for the, uh, the big explanation and uh, great motivation of how you were successful. So as we mentioned before, I, I, I'm a big believer in, in city politics and, mm -hmm. and moving from the urban area. I actually started yeah. with Tom Bradley yep. and saw the role Thank of public-private public partnerships. And he also lost the first time yeah. mm -hmm. for mayor uh, and proactively worked on getting the Olympics and that actually was mm -hmm. successful in 84 and yep. so forth. So my question relates to one one piece that you mentioned. You have the crisis. Yeah. You cut the skating rinks, and then mm -hmm. Snyder steps up. Mm -hmm. uh, you did some other things, and then business steps up. So right. how do we flip that around, you know, proactively, to be able to get business to step up beforehand? Mm -hmm. uh, for example, you also mentioned the schools yeah. and uh, taking coke. Or, Whatever soft drinks out, but now Philadelphia's changed, right? They're they're on the sugar tax. Uh, so, mm -hmm. what does it take? Is it the regulatory stick, the economic stick, the other pieces that, that you think will help motivate this? Um, well, I think the first one of the first pieces of it is uh, again um, being able to fairly easily and directly articulate, you know, a real vision for where, where you're trying to go, um, and also understanding at least for your in many in some instances for your larger businesses where are they trying to go where can we partner on some things so 
Um, you know, I mentioned our high poverty rate. Uh, we have some challenges with literacy, also digital divide. Mm -hmm. So we partnered with uh, Comcast uh, on their Internet Essentials Program uh, to bring uh, uh, computers and the Internet uh, into the homes of low-income uh, children and families uh, to, you know, get our connectivity rate uh, up. Uh, you know, some benefits certainly for them. Mm -hmm. Great benefit for us, and so you know. Again, I, you know, I want to try to, especially with with our students. You know, it's okay. In some instances, it's okay for business to get a benefit, yeah. right? The question is, what are you getting out of it? Yeah. Right? That's called like a deal. It's called a compromise, <laughs> right? It's like, right? I make a I make a deal with yeah. I make a deal with Whole Foods on a regular basis, right? I go, I get stuff, I give them money, and they let me walk out with a whole lot of groceries. Right? I mean, it's not personal. I don't need to get to know you. We're not going to hang out. Right? Like, this is my part. This is your part. Right? So, um, you know, doing those kinds of, of deals, transactions, uh, you know, between business and government, you know, as long as it's on the up and up and it's all out and open, it's transparent, nobody's getting anything extra, no thumbs on the scale, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <coughs> And in many instances, you know, companies want to do stuff. Um, you know, sometimes our rules and regulations make it a little more difficult. Sometimes people just don't want to be involved with us. They, you know, make, make people nervous. Start veering over into the campaign world and contributions and all that. So, I mean, you just got to keep it really, really straight, really, really clear. And you could pick a dozen businesses in virtually any town who, if asked or if they understood what you're trying to do, uh, would actually want to do some stuff with them. So you're optimistic about the future in that more? I am. Engagement? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we, ha we have a lot of people here who have worked on those kinds of issues mm -hmm. and discussed mm -hmm. those kinds of issues. Yeah. Um, and Jane in particular, I think, has done a lot of special responsibility um, issues. Yeah. And they've got, you know, you've got the business side, then many of them have their own foundations, or they're trying to figure out corporate responsibility, or they're trying to do social impact. I mean, that's a growing field. I don't think it's going anywhere, and I think many of us are still trying to figure out how to harness uh, some of that uh, activities. And the philanthropic community. I mean, you know, they actually have to give their money away. Yep. They have to give it to somebody. Right? I just want a little bit of it, you know. So, yeah. A, a question on the, the governance of the, of the public-private partnerships in the city. Mm -hmm. um, how did you manage the development and stewardship of the partnerships? Yeah. Um, was it out of your office, or did you assign them to Government departments. Yeah. Departments. No, we. What, was it, what were the challenges yeah. of bringing bringing in a corporation into yeah into a into yeah. a city department? Sure. So we had an office of uh, office of grants uh, and strategic partnerships. Uh, hired a person specifically for that. Uh, that had always. I mean, even before I became mayor, it was always a thought that this was a sector that needed, you know, its own you know kind of management. Um, we met with and talked to on a regular basis. Um, I guess it was, uh, I guess now it's called the Philanthropy Network, uh, I think in Philadelphia. So a bunch of our foundations all belong to this network. We talked to them on a regular basis and often presented them more with a menu of these are all the things that we're trying to do because this foundation has this interest, this foundation has that interest. So, I mean, I'm not trying to fit the round peg in the square hole, right? I want to try to meet you. If this is what you're concerned about, I've got something for you. If this is what you're concerned about, I've got something for you, right? So I'm not trying to fight with you about, I mean, 
they have their guidelines. They have the things that they want to do. We have the things that we want to do. I took the position, our job is to figure out how do we match up with what they want to do and support. Because somewhere in that laundry list of, of all that data and information in their annual report, there must be something we're doing that would fit those guidelines. Uh, and so we, we, we tried to match up uh, with them. Uh, we met with them on a regular basis. We continued to lay out, again, this is what we're trying to get done. could be summer jobs. It could be uh, which a huge thing, and I know uh, both Mayor Menino and Mayor Walsh uh, particularly focused on, on uh, uh, those issues. And so, but yeah, we had somebody manage that. The challenge with, uh, especially on the corporate side, not so much with the foundations, um, on the corporate side, you know, do they have other business interests? Do they have a contract with us? And so, and so, I mean, again, you got to watch all the pieces. Is somebody getting more than they should? Are they getting an upper hand? Did they have inside information? All of that kind. So, I mean, you really do need to keep that very, very bright line, uh, separating the business side, even from the foundation side, uh, with those entities. So, you know, pick one, not because they're in the news a lot, but you know, Wells Fargo. So, I mean, they do our money management services, or they're one of four banks, blah, 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 right? But now they've got the Wells Fargo Foundation, and they're supporting our efforts to in increase our tree canopy. I mean, they were helping us with our effort to plant 300,000 trees uh, during, uh, during, during my time. Um, you know, we at times found ourselves in an unusual or uncomfortable position. Uh, you know, city council is hammering the hell out of them about the most recent scandal, and I'm over talking to somebody about, hey, I need more money for trees. And they're like, well, you know, but we've got trouble over here. And I'm like, I'm not in that conversation. We're not having a discussion about that. I want to talk about this grant for trees. That's all we're talking about. Right, so you have to be very, very clear uh, with uh, with folks, uh, like very clear. Were there any partnerships you turned down? Oh, I, I won't talk about them, but yeah, there were any <laughs> number of folks who wanted to do things with us. And I was like, nah, we're not doing that. Mm -mm. Yeah, we, um, so, you know, we, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, um, so it was our administration um, uh, uh, that, originally proposed the soda tax um, in 2010 and 2011. Never brought it to a vote. We didn't have the votes, and we didn't want to give Big Beverage a, a, a win. In the second round of that, um, one of the local companies that has a significant presence uh, and is in that business offered um, for health purposes and for a health program, offered to give us $10 million. I turned it down publicly. They then tried to give it to uh, to one of our hospitals. Um, and I, I, for the life of me, I, I literally don't remember what what um, ended up happening with that. But um, I think people were were pretty surprised. During my tenure as president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors, this is obviously away from the government, but I think you have to have a consistency. So the American Beverage Association is a is a uh, business council member of the U.S. Conference of Mayors. Um, they annually give about three hundred thousand uh, dollars to the conference. The year that I was president, uh, I told the executive director that we will not be accepting that grant from the ABA. 
and put a $300,000 hole in his budget. But there was no way in the world during my presidency that we were going to have that kind of activity going on. That's the way it is. Right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you have to be careful about some of those partnerships, but, I mean, you've got to be true to your, I think you just have to be true to your values. And there was no way I was going to do that. We never have those kind of issues at the Kennedy School. <laughs> right. We never have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Businesses trying to give us money to yeah, do yeah. things for, that For their own purposes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. So we got one over yeah. here and then we'll leave yeah. okay. Yes. I'll try to give shorter answers. There, there's a relatively new Greater Washington Partnership, which is a coalition of about a dozen um, heads of businesses that are looking at... This is Washington as in D.C.? Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. yes. Um, looking at smart cities design and mm -hmm. technology transportation mm -hmm. networks. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if there is a comparable coalition in Philadelphia and if, if you've seen success with that. Uh, I'm not aware of that uh, level of a coalition. Um, closest thing to that is um, I stole an idea from Mayor Daly. Um, he created the Metropolitan Mayor's Caucus out in the, what they call Chicagoland. Um, and shortly after I came in office, I organized the four counties around us and just uh, uniquely called it the Metropolitan Caucus. Um, uh, it was made up of uh, county commissioners uh, from the four counties and myself um, to work on a variety of uh, southeastern Pennsylvania uh, uh, kinds of issues. Um, they could be working on something like that, but I don't know that it's as targeted uh, as, uh, as what you mentioned, but I really love that idea. Could you give me some information about that? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yes, sir. I was just interested if you could speak a little bit more about the process of sort of recovery after the crisis. Hmm. At what point yeah. you could decide to stop cutting? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, somewhere in um, 2011, kind of going into 12, um, I mean, as I mentioned, I mean, last part, last quarter of eight, all of nine, all of 10, I mean, it's just kind of down, 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 right? I mean, it's like, where is the bottom? Um, you know, 11. It started to level out, and what we then started referring to as basically the new normal. Like, we're not going back to 07, 08 levels. Forget that. We are where we are, but at least we're not losing. So things started to stabilize for the city government for a variety of reasons. And, and, and I don't, do not mean to give the impression that we did all this stuff by ourselves. Uh, first of all, uh, you'll recall, uh, shortly after becoming president, uh, President Obama then pushed through the Economic Stimulus Program, or ARA, better known as, um, about $800 billion of you know, economic activity. That certainly helped us. 37% um, of the jobs during my time was like 35% of the jobs in Philadelphia tied to education and medicine. Right? So we have five medical schools, all these colleges and universities, most of which just kept right on going because, you know, they had their money. Uh, from you know donors and all that, so that kept a lot of our activity going. So we would have gone further. I mean, we would have crashed, uh, probably not for, the, but for that sector. So when things started leveling out, um, you know, the first task was, you know, I mean, uh, think about it sometimes, almost like a you know submarine, you know, kind of like okay, well, let's 
let's do a full damage assessment here. I mean, like, just where are things at the moment? I mean, we never closed. We're open. We didn't run out of money. But, I mean, you know. And so then it's, you know, starting to build back. So, you know, for instance, it's really hard to collect money if you don't have enough people in the revenue department. It's really hard to inspect all your buildings if you don't have enough people in the buildings department, right? So, I mean, and then we, you know, put in a couple classes of police officers. We lose 250 police officers or so a month uh, due to retirement, right? So I wanted to hire 400 net, which means that, you know, you take that number plus, you know, or minus, you know, whoever actually leaves in the course of a year. So, right? Um, so, I mean, that started kind of the rebuilding and reinvestment process. But as we were coming out of kind of recession-like uh, deficits, the school district of Philadelphia was going into theirs because their era money, economic stimulus money, had run out. And they were having their own financial problems. So we were coming, starting to come back. And so then I went through another round of raising people's taxes for schools um, while we were, you know, getting, getting stronger. But I would say 11 into 12 is when it was, I mean, you know, we were getting stronger. Um, as I mentioned, through that point, we had changed the zoning code. We are making investments in sustainability. <coughs> we planted a bunch of trees, bike lanes. We later came up with bike share program. Uh, first one that didn't require a credit card. Um, and so um, we were starting to make progress. Uh, we got the rating upgrade uh, from the rating agencies. That was a kind of a boost. I mean, it was a, a go back to the gentleman, that was a pride, uh, point of pride uh, for us. Um, we were making real progress in public safety. Uh, numbers were going in the right direction. I mean, things were just, they were starting to click for us in that 11, 12, into 13. Um, from a business and economic development standpoint, so my original game plan uh, was um, I wanted to better promote the city and lift us up. Uh, Boston, obviously well-known. New York, well-known. We kind of allowed ourselves to get lulled into being that nice transit stop between Washington and New York. Um, I wanted to do something about that. But I thought significant travel during a recession, probably not a great idea. So in the second term, um, I visited, um, I was on five continents, 10 countries, 17 cities internationally, pushing the business side and, and the prominent role of Philadelphia in the United States of America internationally and aggressively going after international business. Uh, we have a number of sister cities around the world that no mayor had been to in 30, 40 years. Um, and so we started embarking on some of that activity. There are businesses from Israel, UK, France, China, uh, South America uh, that are in Philadelphia now as a result of uh, many of those visits and trips that takes time to build up. Um, our last, uh, we hadn't signed a sister city agreement in 23 years. Uh, in my last year, we signed one with Frankfurt um, and um, uh, made some progress there. We hosted a number of big events. Uh, and we also wanted to lift the city up as a place that could host big events and do them well. People know Ben Franklin Parkway, the Art Museum, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it was a big deal 
when uh, you know Jay Z and his team picked Philadelphia for Made in America. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they could have taken that anywhere, uh, but they wanted to be in Philly. And so, go back to the gentleman's uh, earlier point about we were now starting to build. This was now about pride. We had shared sacrifice. We looked out for each other. We weathered the storm. And now this is about rebuilding the image and the persona and the resilience uh, and our grittiness uh, about who we are and what we're really about. And that's, that's what the second half of you know, my, the second term, uh, that's what that was really started to be about, uh, was about the resurgence of this great American city. Um, and getting people to pull all lawyers together in a different kind of way. Yeah. So I'm going to take the prerogative of the last uh, uh, question or so. Uh, one comment, one question. Mm-hmm. And the comment is, I think what's terrific just to hear you talk through is both the creation of a vision for a city, mm-hmm. but then tying it back to the operational details, the extent of listening to you, the degree to which you can get down into the details of how these things actually work. Yeah. Um, and particularly in a crisis situation, which is really hard. Details matter. Because you're asking people to do something different than they've normally done, and people's instinct is to continue doing the same thing over and over. And so how you were able to manage the talent base and get those things done is impressive. Um, Thank you. The broader question is, um, taking you out of, kind of partially out of your role as a former mayor, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you described yourself as a social, socially liberal um, and fiscally conservative. And I would say that is a very, very large number of Democrats that I know. And Mm. I would put myself in that category. Mm. Um, And what I guess worries me, and I'd be curious your perspective, is is there a role for centrist Democrats of that nature in the Democratic Party today Um, and in the political process? Well, I hope so, because I don't have any other party to be in. Um, (laughs) Neither do I. So, I mean, sorry, I'm being biased. I'm showing you my bias. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, I I, I worry. Um, I I mean, I, you know, I know free is a great price. Um, But as someone who actually had to pay bills, make a payroll, um, worry about folks possibly being laid off, um, seeing b- people go out of business, p- people lose their jobs, um, and so many uh, Philadelphians still crushed by the uh, the heavy weight of, of poverty. I mean, I, I you know, there is nothing free. Um, somebody's paying for it, right. and I just, I you know, I just I, should people have health care? Of course they should. Um, should folks be able to gain, get employment and have economic opportunity and be able to, you know, go to college and, you know, congratulations for not being on the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the list uh, the other day. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole, I mean, you do a whole <laughs> session on that. That could be an hour oh, and two hour conversation. Oh, what insanity. Um, yeah, so, Okay. And I'd love to work with anybody to solve those problems, but I, I just I can't. It's not within me to act like there aren't some tough choices and decisions to be made. I mean, I, I mean, I you know I I was in politics. I don't claim to be a saint, but you know, I mean, I I can't. I just can't bullshit people like that at that at that level. And I'm not calling anybody out or calling. Anybody, just show me a plan. Show me a plan. That's all I want. Show me a plan, show me how it's going to work, 
who's going to pay for it. If you want more from me, if it's reasonable, if I can handle fine. I'm willing to do that. But, I mean, to just, like, you know, free, 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 and everything for everybody, you know, like, no, come on. Right. Yeah, you, have a you can't fill a bottle for free. I mean, yeah. somebody's got to pay for it. The <laughs> folks are not picking up that trash for free. I mean, you know, so I just, you know, I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's be this, this next year and a half. I mean, it's just going to be incredible uh, with with the, the, I mean, serious, real people in a stable that the Democratic Party has that, you know, to uh, to put forward. So yeah, I think there's a place, and I think. People in my business, my line of business, often we just don't give the public um, anywhere near as much credit uh, as we should. Um, people like hearing these things, there's no question about it, but there's a segment of the public uh, that really just wants the truth. Um, and I think we disrespect people if we don't tell them the truth. And we have to say some things sometimes that folks don't want to hear. Um, you know, if I did everything the public wanted me to do, I mean, we would have had, like, public hangings out on Dilworth Plaza. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like sometimes, like, no, we're not doing that, or that's wrong, or we can't afford it, or not right now, or whatever the case may be. So, you know, I, I just, you know, everybody's, I mean, this is clearly the year of the candidate. Everyone who thinks that they have any possible shot is running. Fantastic. Um, the system will sort all that out. Uh, I think when you, people really come to grips with how much it costs, to run for president of the United States of America and the toll that it takes on you and your family and everything else that goes with it. I mean, you know, the system is designed to, you know, kind of weed a lot of that out. Um, but there'll be some substantive, serious people uh, uh, running. And I, all I ask for is, like, just give me a plan that I can read and, and understand. And then we'll make decisions from there. So, I mean, I haven't announced anything about anybody. I mean, I mean I'm one of the few people that's not running for president. Um, you know, I'm more than fine with that. I'm really happy. Um, <laughs> I'm done. Um, you know, uh, but, um, you know, this is, it's, it's, it's going to be exciting. Um, but, and I love national politics, and, and that's all well and good, but, you know, it, 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 the love of cities and the love of the day-to-day, -day, the ability to see and touch and feel and experience uh, the result of that work. Um, you know, you can't spend it in a supermarket, I get that, but there is a psychological currency uh, and a feeling to know that every day uh, you have an opportunity to improve the quality of life for somebody else. Uh, there's just no feeling like that. And, um, and you know, the work is, is very much at the city level. Uh, and so, you know, certainly to the students, I mean, I encourage you, you know, if you have an opportunity to go into, uh, go into, local, go into government in general and local government in particular, take advantage of it. It may or may not be for you. You'll learn a lot. You'll get a lot of experience. Uh, you'll get a lot of responsibility, uh, usually more so than you ever would in the private sector because uh, we can't afford specialists. Um, but it's just a whole lot of fun. Uh, and, um, you know, you'll, you'll do your best and you'll improve the quality of somebody else's life who you probably will never meet, and they might not meet you, uh, but you'll know every day you did something good. And uh, it doesn't get much better than that. So thank you. Yeah. Please say thank you for a terrific, terrific talk.